God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So everything was going fine this weekend. And then I got robbed Sunday morning of one hour of my sleep. Yeah, because of daylight savings time. You know, I really felt exhausted because of that. And I, I, do, I do believe that a lot of people have that reaction. And then, of course, when you wake up in the morning and it's dark out, it, it you know it's it's less of a motivation to get up, but on the flip side, it stays light later in the day. So that's why we All right, deal that, with the darkness. That always confuses me though, because you know, like okay, you get up and it's darker again, right? All, right. So all of a sudden, it's dark again in the morning. I guess that helps people sleep in better in the morning. I don't really, I don't, I don't, even, I don't see the purpose uh, uh, of we have it this anymore. Discuss, every year we have every this year discussion. we talk about this. I, we, and you know, I, I would rather not have. Let's just forget any, it. <laughs> any time changes? No, I think it may. I think it's hard on your internal clock to have your, these adjustments that happen twice a year. Now, the one in the fall we like a little better when we get the extra hour of sleep. It's uh, losing the hour of sleep that's really disturbing. I don't mind time changes when I'm going to Europe. <laughs> no, but I will tell you this: that when we were in Hawaii, yeah, I. I really did not like the time change out there. I didn't either. I didn't like losing six hours or yeah. however many hours no, you it was. Gain, no, it's the other way around. You're gaining the hours. Oh, well, I no. guess it depends on how you think about no, it. No, because like when we would get up at, say, and do the show at 8 in the morning there, Yeah. right? Um, you know, the uh, idea there was the day was half over on the East Coast. Right. In Washington, D.C., where we're covering... DC politics, right? We're color, covering American politics, federal. We're, we're not state and local. Well, we, you were, know. we were six hours behind. That's right. So you wake up already six hours behind the world in terms of world news. Well, the other way around, you're in Europe, you're six hours ahead. So it's a compromise. <laughs> you got to look at it, you know, from different sides. All of the my coin. posts were six hours late. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, so and so, this happened. And they're like, yeah, old news, dude. Yeah, you know, there old you news. Go. So, While you uh, were sleeping, as they would say. 
So there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of um, idiocies. Uh, first, we want to talk about Dr. Fauci. So um, Dr. Fauci was, um, oh, here's a story here. It says, Bill Gates, my best investment turned out to be $10 billion. Oh, yeah, that, that, was, um, that was the 20 to 1 return uh, on, on the investment that he got uh, for his um, for his uh, vaccines, you know, his best investment was was it was a twenty to one. It says we feel there's been over a twenty to one return, yielding two hundred billion dollars over those twenty or so years. Gates told CNBC. Now we played that a while ago, mm-hmm. but uh, this is a Dr. Fauci clip on Chuck Todd, and he goes Fauci on. If it, Americans might be able to finally schedule a wedding this year, that's a good question. I can't give the exact date. <laughs> He's such a stupid idiot. Let's see. Uh, all right, so we're going to go ahead and play this. I, I just can't stand this Fauci guy. Why in the world is it just one man? Mm-hmm. Why is it always just one guy? You know, we got one old decrepity guy in the White House right well, now. Well, we usually Biden. just have one president at a time. Yeah, but... Man, what a what a uh, he's sh- shot in the head. You know, I mean, this guy is like, like out to I, lunch. Like I said, I keep calling him the seat warmer. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, here we go. And very quickly, we know President Biden said at backyard gatherings. Uh, I've got a, a staffer or two that wants this question asked of you, and I'm sure they're not alone. Which is, when can people plan an indoor wedding? You know, th- that's a, that's a good question. And I think that's going to be within a reasonable period of time. This you notice what the CDC is doing? They gave, uh, excuse me, I didn't hear what this you said. This calendar Chuck. year? What, what time of the year? I, you know, I, I can't give you that exact date because it's going to absolutely depend. And this right. gets back to our, our conversation a minute or two ago. It's going to depend on the level of infection in community. If we plateau and stay at 60,000 a day and go up with a peak. I mean, you can make no prediction. If we keep going down and get to a very, very low level, when we're there and we have a good proportion of the people vaccinated, I think you're gonna see weddings in the normal way that we've seen it within a reasonable period of time. But there's always the caveat that it's- Chuck Todd, such a meathead. You know, the, the, the absolute best question would be, do you think that it's a wise idea to allow hundreds of thousands of people to cross our border illegally? Well, they're, well, they're not asking that with question. COVID? And, and again, we do the people crossing the border have COVID? No, well, they don't know. That's the problem. And <laughs> no, here, and, here, and here's the thing: they're putting them on buses with other people who have no other means of transportation. The point about the weddings is well taken. I saw something over the weekend in the state of Virginia where, so, where somebody is suing a, a wedding venue is suing Governor Ralph Northam because he's putting so many restrictions on this venue that they can't have more than 25 people but at the same time there can be outdoor carnivals and outdoor concerts where you have about a thousand people and the rationale is well gee at weddings people are dancing and eating and hugging Uh, so you know you they're trying to discourage dancing eating hugging all the things that where you're you're gonna have close contact you know um, we we have uh, family members that uh, are, had you know they were going to put together a ceremonial wedding, right? Because right? they actually are legally married already, and in another country, and and uh, so they wanted to have something here with family and friends. Yes, and, and uh, next thing you know, uh-huh, <laughs> they had to put it on hold. 
twice. And, and by the twice because of this pandemic, twice, right? They put it off for six months, not knowing that you know. Yeah. So, so the issue is. <laughs> I'm also then, plan with not, planning an event, but where they, they it's are been officially married, but they're about to have a baby, yeah. and and there's so many other things going on that yeah, it's well, going to be almost like four years in before they could actually have their ceremony. Yeah, it's it's get well. That's what's <laughs> happening to a lot of people, and then also, and there's a double standard out there. Why are certain events approved? Why are not? Uh, why are other events verboten? And you know, we're going to be talking about this more and more until this gets rectified right so uh nbc's chuck todd tells dr fauci it's inevitable we'll have more pandemics in the future because of climate change so uh, is anyone talking about china china terror that's what i call it i call it chinese terrorism okay we got to start to embrace that phrase because what china did to the world is genocide okay I mean, it's if it's found out, you know, and somebody ought to know the answer to this question by now, is who's responsible? Who's responsible for the murdering of nearly a million lives yeah. worldwide? And, and not only that, Marvin Hagler uh, passed away this weekend, and Tommy Hearns, who they had this great fight back in the 70s, 80s, um, Suggested that the vaccine was, uh, that, that's what Tommy Hearn said. Okay, yeah. Tommy Hearn said something about Marvin Hagler just got the vaccine and died of complications of the vaccine. And it's because of the, fam- the Hagler family is basically, yeah, I think he's 66 years old, and they're basically d- not disclosing the cause of death, but he recently had the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and there was complications associated with that is what Tommy Hearns is saying. Um, you know, I've heard all kinds of different stories about the vaccines. And um, I don't know that that's settled science. But I do know this, that we're, we're, we're uh, spending billions of dollars on vaccine research and vaccines. Somebody's got to foot the bill for this. I know that we're getting the vaccines for free if we... You know, but, but we got a system online. You you apparently well, applied well, for something. Well, there is a system in the state of Virginia, and I'm sure other uh, states have the same thing, to pre-register so that when you become eligible, you're already in the system. So what they'll do is they'll send you an email or text alerts and say, okay, you know, we have you in the system. And they'll say, okay, the, you're part of this group that's now eligible. Yeah. And by this group, I'm like, I'm in general population, no pre-existing conditions. I just don't want an RNA uh, type of vaccine. I don't want one personally all right that's my own personal belief but you know what i think is going to happen here's what i think i know the the other uh, shoe to drop is they're going to say you can't go you can't go on a you can't go on a plane without a or you can't go to a certain country yeah yeah and and that's what i anticipate happening and and, but i'm in agreement with you i have mixed feelings about vaccination i don't even like to go the doctor i believe you know in a very minimalist approach to all these things anyway so the idea is that um I'm, i'm not for it but Think about all the billions of dollars that we've spent on research and development for the vaccine. Think about all the distribution, the refrigeration, yeah. uh, all, all of the nonsense. How about the uh, mercy and the comfort? All those uh, n- ships uh, that brings up, you know, uh, that brings up um, Como. Oh yeah, <laughs> who ought to be brought up on genocide charges? Apparently, he's going to be gone soon, and he he went from. He he was he sort of did an Avenatti one eighty right yeah. you know rock star going to be the next president to 
Uh, they can't you know, wait to maybe, get him out of there. Maybe he's going to get thrown in jail. And you know the one person. You know the one person who, who has not yet called for his stepping down is President. Biden. Yeah. Hey, Biden, yeah, Biden said, Biden, "Well, yeah. we'll see what happens." I mean, uh, Chuck Schumer has called for him to step down. De Blasio has called for him to yeah. step down. Many Democrats have called for him to step down. So Chuck Dodd says it's inevitable. We'll have more pandemics in the future. And I just say, hey, we need to be talking more about China. So we needed to be talking about the spread of this vaccine coming across our southern border, which they're trying to blame Trump. Spread of the virus. No, Nancy Pelosi is trying to blame Trump for the problems on the southern border. When everything was fine and the numbers are skyrocketing now. 61% over uh, when Trump was in office at this time. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So I don't even know how they can do it with a straight face, but they have a, a lying media that is just completely bankrupt of any kind of integrity that they ever, ever, ever may have had. And um, and so that's where they are with that. But the idea is uh, that we need to be talking about the open borders and the, th- the, the, the health threat that, and the concerns that that brings. And then the, the, secondly, um, we need to be talking about Chinese genocide, Chinese murder, Chinese um, uh, terrorism, and we need to look at China as the number one terrorist group in the world. And I don't think if we, if, if we don't look at it like that, we're not seeing it through a proper lens. Because someone needs to hold these criminals in China accountable for the murder and for the expense and for the loss and for the discomfort and for the anguish and for the depression and for the suicides and for all the other things that have uh, been unintended consequences to the draconian measures that took place, for them getting out of the phase one deal, the phase two deal, for them getting out of having to deal with President Trump because uh, the, the COVID was exploited for election fraud. And now, HR1, they're talking about making the COVID, the changes that were done under COVID a precedent to where they can actually say these are going to be the ways that we produce, uh, do elections. They're trying to spin the last election into a positive by saying, look how many people voted. Yeah, We had record numbers of votes because we didn't suppress the vote. And I say, no, no. Until you, you know, you have to stand up on your own two feet and fight for your country for one day and vote. That means you have to stand up and go out and vote. No, no more of this you know, uh, elections are no longer one day, it's 30 days. It's mail-in voting, it's uh, dial it in, it's, it's ba- ballot harvesting. All of these things, they are supporting in H.R. 1. And now the question is, it already passed the ho- House, is it going to pass the Senate? But uh, let's take a listen to Fauci because I... You know, I'm, I'm kind of doing You're a big doing circle. You're doing a circle. I right. see you doing the thing with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. You know, when you think about, sadly, having to prepare for this again, right? And I know there's a lot of folks who who think that, you know, due to climate change and due to climate change, globalization in general, it's inevitable we're going to deal with more and more viruses like this. Um, the biggest lesson you're, you're going to take away to prepare for the next one. You know, there are a couple of lessons, Chuck. There are, there are lessons domestically. There are lessons public health-wise, scientifically. Let's take global to begin with. We have to have a better global health security network of interconnectivity. 
of communication, of transparency, so that we are talking to each other all the time and the know what's global, going on. They? Yeah, they do. We also have to have a continued investment in the science. If you want to look, Chuck, at one of that the success story yeah. in this terrible year mm -hmm. has been the extraordinary, unprecedented advance with the vaccine, where, you know, uh, in January of 2020, we started the process, and 11 months later, we had a highly efficacious vaccine yeah. going into the arms of individuals, which is going to be the answer to this, together with public health measures. So keep the science up, continue to support the public health infrastructure, and remain global in our interactions. You know, as I've said so right. many times, a global pandemic requires a global response. Yeah. So long as the science agrees with me. Yeah. Because when the science doesn't, like if it's Scott Atlas, the uh, health guy uh, under Trump. Right. Uh, who was basically uh, the polar opposite of Dr. Fauci. And there are so many other great doctors that believe that the draconian measures of lockdowns yeah. didn't work. And in fact, the numbers are coming out suggesting that the lockdown didn't uh, yield positive results. That the states that required you to wear the masks the most and kept you indoors the longest uh, ended up having wor the worst numbers. So trust the science or trust actually the numbers that you see on the page. Also, I'm going to say the I'm bad trust my eyes. side effects, in addition to the numbers you see on the page, the side effects, the psychological side effects of keeping people locked in, the, the uh, rise in alcoholism, the rise in suicide rates, the rise in uh, depression among adults and children and adolescents, all of those things are problems that are going to be with us for some time. Th those, those things need to be measured and taken into account when we look at the way this pandemic has been handled. Absolutely. So, um, you know, so, so people, are, people are not talking about China as terrorists, and they're not talking about our open borders as a gift to the cartels. And I've always said this on this show, and I'm probably one of the only people that says it, actually. And that is that, that the cartels have lobbying groups, that their law enforcement agency is MS-13. Yeah. You know, they're not going to call NYPD and say, hey, can you make sure our drug deal goes down okay in, in Manhattan or in the Bronx? No, no, they're not going to be able to call the New York Police Department for that. Hey, can you just oversee that deal? Uh, how about that? We have a shipment coming in. You know, and we have people like Mitch McConnell, with uh, his wife owning the foremost group, his wife's sister, CEO, and wife, his wife's father, James Chow, uh, the, the founder of foremost group. Well, Mitch McConnell, you know, got his name, Cocaine Mitch, because of the drug. Uh, they found drugs on the ships in the Asian seas. And just so happens that most of their workers are Chinese, Chinese terrorists, Chinese cartels, Chinese drug lords. And... Um, so they're shipping drugs all over the country, all over the world. And, you know, uh, it just so happens that uh, the third most powerful person in, uh, in, in, in the House of Representatives before mm -hmm. Ocasio-Cortez showed up, mm -hmm. I think he may have been the second most powerful, was Crawley. Yeah. This guy named Crawley, right? Well, it turns out that Crawley owned a huge um, shipping container yeah. ship company. On the, and they were covering the world, part of the world, too. And it just so happens that these politicians 
are involved in shipping lanes and yeah. sh- big shipping companies. And and Elaine Chow is the head of the Department of Transportation, you know, which basically would be able to control the ports and be able to control what kind of inspections go on on certain brands of ships. Yeah. Like the foremost group. Yeah. You know, no, the, that container's classified. We have to have a special team to go and look at those containers, right? And that team is good for business. So the open borders, uh, cartels, the cartels have lobbying groups and they pay off politicians. And, you know, there's no better way to, you know, than when it's illegal to actually have under the table palm greasing. And so it's all disguised in such a way that uh, it looks like it's, you know, normal business. But, you know, people are getting rich in Washington, D.C. We're starting to see as the economy really is in decline in decline in some ways. Um, you know, we have we're still struggling to come out of this pandemic. Uh, the we're seeing a lot of buildings being built in D.C., a lot of lobbyists getting rich real quick. And that's why. You know, I think it's so important that we take our country back, that we get the rhinos, the sellouts like Lindsey Graham is probably the biggest snake in Washington. Um, You know, he has basically gotten his Syria deal back, uh, which was involving military industrial complex, oil rich trade deals for weapons. Um, And that was a business that he liked so much. He and John McCain put it together out of Ukraine and through Montenegro and Latvia and Lithuania. And they would travel those corridors and win all kinds of medals and get all kinds of awards by the heads of state, the red carpet treatment, five-star hotels. And they would live like kings. Here's a guy, you know, ex-former bartender uh, from South Carolina, uh, Lindsey Graham, and and then you had John McCain uh, also in the beer liquor distribution (laughs) business um, and uh, out of Arizona. And here they are traveling the world. What are they doing? Guy from Arizona and the guy from South, are they serving their people? No. No, but they're in Ukraine. You know, remember we showed these photos uh, on our social media uh, with Amy Klobuchar and John McCain and Lindsey Graham uh, with Porinchenko on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2016, celebrating with the Ukrainian military with their new fancy new weapons. Because while Trump was in transition, they had a deal they had to close because you had a manufacturing plant that had guns that weren't purchased yet, and yet they were invested. And so they needed to actually move those guns. Yeah to make good on the payment and the delivery of the product. Otherwise, the money was going to be pulled back and some people were heads, some people's heads were going to roll. And we couldn't have that because nobody expected Trump to win. And he flipped Washington, D.C. upside down on its head. And they are trying to put the pieces back together again. And that's why they're moving so quickly. And that's why you're seeing this aggressive behavior with the Biden administration, the Biden Biden himself doesn't even know what's happening. 
He 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 walks like with like little baby little little geriatric steps. Well, it's baby steps with everything because again, in the last week we saw him make and two he gives efforts. Answers that are just ridiculous. Well, he we saw two efforts to communicate last week, and they were both failed and aborted. I mean, you had him doing his 24-minute address where he talked about the pandemic, which was kind of unremarkable. And then again, we had the responses to Como, as I was saying earlier in the show. You know, people are calling for Como to resign. Biden can't, you know, make a statement. If this was the other way around, if we were talking about a, a Republican Mem- a governor or a member of Congress where there was a similar situation, he'd be saying, yes, he should resign. But because there's so much uh, cronyism and uh, mm-hmm. dark money that's happened, you know that the, the Biden, Biden is in the camp with uh, Como in some way or another, and that's why he is not calling for his resignation. Yeah. And, and, and even the liberals are starting to question this. Yeah. So we shall see what happens. All right. So this was sent to me. Uh, it was a Fox News from Fox and Friends. And uh, and um, this was sent to me on social media. Uh, but it was uh, Tom Cotton. Uh, and it was Nancy Pelosi blames Trump for migrant surge at border. Let's take a listen. Border right now, Senator. This is a humanitarian challenge to all of us. Uh, What the administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that in the children's interest. I'm so pleased. Broken system at the border? Hmm. They're trying to repair a broken system at the border? Uh, That is the biggest lie I've ever heard told. Of course it's a lie. I mean... The numbers are going up, skyrocketing. Yeah. Is anyone even... 61% increase since Trump uh, has left office. You know, that's what I'm saying. But that's the only way they can get around the COVID question. Yeah. You see? It's like, well, because there was no system in place, that's why we're... You know, because that helps them answer the COVID question. Well, that's right. It is a health crisis. That's why we need to get vaccines to as many uh, uh, migrants as possible. But like and, I said, and we're footing the bill for that. Well, that's it. well, we're footing the bill for that. And you know what's going to happen? If well, fortunately they've created, they've ma- manufactured so many vaccines. But you and I talked about this on the air the other day. Somebody's why getting is rich it, off of these vaccines. Why is it that they've created enough vaccines for double the U.S. population? It's because yeah, they want to bring million. in uh, illegal immigrants. That's what it's for. I mean, all right, come here. You know, the streets are paved with gold, as they used to say in the old days. Well, they've been and you to, can get a vaccine. They've been trying to vaccinate every developing nation since the, since the beginning of time. Right, we're not supposed Bill to be Bill Gates, in, this is his thing. This is what he does. We're not supposed to be in the nation building business. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's scarier than that. Yeah. Bill Gates, I got him on tape saying that he uses it for population control. Yeah, I know. That's that's very scary. And Bill Gates I played that tape. No, and Bill Gates, as we've talked about, has um, been trying to control the world on multiple cylinders from the IT platform, from the healthcare platform, and from the education platform. All right, so I don't know why we're going to do this, but let's listen to more Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> you are a glutton for punishment. The president, as a temporary measure, has sent FEMA to the border in order to help facilitate the children oh, going from one seventy-two hour issue into where they are cared for as they are transferred into family homes or homes that are safe for them to be. Uh, So this again is a a transition for what was wrong before uh, to what is right. There are many reasons that go into this, but the fact is we have to deal with it uh, at the border. 
Senator, she was not the only one singing the same tune yesterday, inheriting a <laughs> so broken Senator system, Tom is what they say. Yeah, uh, Peter, at no point in that rambling, incoherent answer did Nancy Pelosi <laughs> even come close to expressing well a rational thought well about what's happening at the border. <laughs> what they inherited from the Trump administration was a border that was closed. We were building a wall and we were turning away all migrants who had no right to cross into our country. The, board, the Biden border crisis, though, was created by Joe Biden's promises of amnesty and open borders and free health care for illegals during the campaign. That's why border crossings have increased every month since the election. And now the Biden administration is sending FEMA to the border. They are, by their own declaration, admitting it's a disaster. That's what it is when you deploy FEMA, a disaster. But remember, they're not deploying FEMA to secure the border, to try to finish the wall, or to stop those migrants from crossing. They're deploying FEMA to expedite them, to wave them in even faster and give them a bus ticket and a plane ticket and send them wherever they want to go in the United States. That is the Biden border crisis. Let's talk about what's happening in Washington, because we've seen the fences around the Capitol after the insurrection, and now the National Guard, they were supposed to be there for just a little while, then they extended it for, you know, indefinitely now, even though we're being told there aren't any threats. But so this is what the National Guard Association the chairman and yeah. Arizona Adjunct General, Major General Michael McGuire, said to the Washington Examiner, he said this enduring requirement of having them around the city, I think it's completely inappropriate at best, illegal at worst. Every American citizen should be concerned that an unelected cabinet secretary can move forces into the city. The National Guard specifically is the last line of defense for direct policing action only in the uh, emergent period when it is life limb protection of property. What's your reaction to that? How long will they be there? Some of these states have actually pulled their guys and uh, they're women too, women, guys yep. and women. Um, Florida, Texas are two examples. They said we're not keeping our people there anymore. They're coming home. Yeah, Ainsley, the contrast is remarkable. The Biden administration stopped building a wall on our southern border and they put up fences around our capital. So I guess walls don't work if it's defending American sovereignty, but walls and fences work just fine when it's protecting Democratic politicians. The contrast couldn't be starker. But General Hakansen is right. There is no demonstrated need for that fencing and those National Guard troops to remain at the Capitol. I've repeatedly asked the Capitol Hill security leaders, what is the specific incredible threat to the Capitol complex that requires this extraordinary these extraordinary steps. They say there is no specific credible threat. They cite general vague concerns and now they continue to cite the prospect that Joe Biden will be addressing a joint session of Congress. Look, if we keep thousands of National Guard troops and a fence around the Capitol until Joe Biden is finally ready to speak in public, they may be there for <laughs> a very long time. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They do, They are cutting some of the fencing and some of the truce, but not enough. So disappointing to see a former General Secretary of Defense, Austin, know this and go along with this. And along with uh, saying that um, uh, on top of that, Admiral Kirby has to spout this stuff uh, at the State Department. And he absolutely knows better, it would seem. Let's talk about another nominee. You grilled Vanita Gupta on her past comments, which, by the way, some of these nominees should realize if they want to get back into government, they should probably tweet with a little bit of control. Uh, here's uh, some of the give and take. You said we all have implicit biases and racial biases. That's all. Every single American you accused of implicit bias and racial bias. So I'm asking you again, against which races do you harbor racial bias? 
I am quite aware that I know that I hold stereotypes that I have to manage. I'm a product of my culture. I believe that all of us um, are able to manage implicit bias, but only if we can acknowledge our own. And I am not above anyone else in that matter. Um, I think implicit bias is something that is part of the shared human condition. Jeez. What'd you learn from that, Jenner? <laughs> I learned that uh, the emperor has no clothes in all these claims in America is a terrible, horrible, racist nation. Uh, but look, all of you and all of your... You know, what you get from that, what you take from that is that it seems like the Democrats hate America. Exactly. Just for no reason. Like, yeah. she can't even explain why she hates America. Right. This Dr. Gupta, or right. whatever her name is. Yeah. But she's a racist son of a gun, and... She's going to get a high post in a Biden administration. Uh, maybe, maybe not, because there's been some negative reaction to her. There's right, been pushback on both sides. This is a person that thinks America is a racist nation, yet she wants she's she's a minority from a foreign country that's that that, that, that is has truly racist. That has benefited from and her she's benefited by here. coming here, and she wants to live out her American dream, and she's living like a, a you know a high standard of living, and. Uh, and she wants to talk down to all these tax-paying workers across America and call them racists when they're paying her salary. It's just absolute, out-of-touch aristocracy. Well, and again, the perception that everybody is a racist is a bad way to see things. Yes, we all do wake up and have experiences that shape us and in, in how we perceive things. But I do believe that most people co go to the world with a pure heart. Let me ask you something. Um, do you know anybody that's truly racist? Personally, uh, not that I can I think of. I mean, I, I see people um, who I hear about in the media and the news who do things that make me think that they're racists. But do I know any personally? Not not anybody I can think of. But I will say frankly, I, that I there are historical biases from a long time ago. And for us to like when we talked about Dr. Seuss, for somebody to cherry pick a cartoon that he wrote in 1937 and say, oh, it's this is racist. And nothing for nothing. But I still and I know you're going to cite a couple of uh, examples and I, that that's fair but um, I don't know one person personally mm -hmm. that literally came down with COVID and had to go to the hospital and was in the ICU. I know one person but again same point I keep making this was a person who was elderly and had pre-existing conditions. Yeah, one in northern New Jersey and the you're getting that you're getting that from okay, you're getting that second person Okay, it's not first person. Right. It's not. It's not like a first person situation. Well, now I, you know, and I, I know that um, there are people on on our network that have claimed, and I, I don't doubt their claims. I'm not questioning their right. claims. I, I hear, but I don't know. I don't know these things firsthand. I don't know anybody per personally firsthand. You know that that is you know gotten the test and gone to the hospital. And you know, and I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm just saying that whenever you are, you know, being coerced and forced to do things in a certain way, you got to ask the question: Okay, what is the driving force to this? I mean, we're being asked to do things no one would ever ask of us before, with a because of a virus that has a ninety-nine point 
8% survival rate at this point. I mean, I just don't understand the overreaction to to this problem, especially when you have so many so many so many things that aren't consistent. Like for example, I wear a mask that's ripped. I do it with pride. Um, I don't think my mask. You know how they talked about wear two masks, wear three masks, and you'll really be safe. Well, I think that's getting excessive, and you could start really having know, other problems. And I, I, I wear. I only would wear the mask when I have to, and when I'm walking down a, a hallway or something, and uh, in, in the building. Um, you're boarding a plane. You're getting on a yeah, train. But, you but know, even all then, things. you know, if I don't, if I'm not wearing a mask, or if I'm walking down the street and I'm passing someone by, I'm not wearing a mask. And somebody, if someone were to say something, I would say, "Do masks work?" And they would say, "Yes, they work." And I'd say, "Good, then you're safe." <laughs> And just keep walking, right? Well, I mean, I think there's a fine line between looking at the data and making intelligent decisions about the data and using the data to control people's behavior. And yes, there's a certain amount of control that happens so that we can protect ourselves, but there's a certain amount of control that goes beyond that. And that's the problem that's happened over the last year is that it's the draconian measures that have been in place. We were told, again, it was a year ago uh, last week, we were told two weeks to stop the spread. Okay, well, now it's a whole year later. What's going on? So so the next phase is let's see what happens with the, the vaccines and the rollout of that and see how life changes. Are, are people still going to be mandated to wear masks once there's widespread availability of vaccines? Will there still be uh, capacity restrictions on restaurants and retailers and other businesses? When will things go back to normal? Explain that to me. That's what I want to know. Right, right, right. So um, Victor David Hansen. Yes, I like him. Davis Hansen is uh, one of my favorite um, thinkers, really. And he wrote this piece over at, at the American Greatness uh, called "The Legends of Our Fall." Play, play on "Legends of the Fall," and it says the left-wing postmodern idea of truth as a mere pick and choose official narrative is now normal. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. And that was by Carlton Young and the man who shot Liberty Balance. Many politicians, at one point or another, live. But live by lies if they can get away with them. Our supposed sentinels, the media self-defined as independent, cynical, and skeptical journalists are supposed to separate political fictions from facts, from truth, legends as facts. Of course, sometimes they used, used to do that, if only selectively. There were communist sympathizers in the Roosevelt administration and holdovers in the 1950s deep state, but the red peril and not always what their demagogic uh, Joe McCarthy claimed when sh- when shaking his lengthy, indiscriminate list of commie names and crimes. You know, I've seen a lot of movies where you get these liberals that were all victims of McCarthyism, right? right? And, you know, they do. are you a communist? You denounce communism, um, and so on and so forth. Well, you know what? We're kind of figuring out that um, McCarthy was actually right because these commie, uh, nonsensical commies, uh, basically um, uh, have turned out to be uh, 
now running the show in our bu- wheels of bureaucracy. They've been running the show, and they've been basically uh, running it with a, an iron fist. And they've been uh, really, I think, attacking our country from within. Uh, and everything that we, we seem to see you know, is um, a byproduct of that. I mean, all the censorship that goes on yeah. uh, that we're seeing. And I, I, we have a phone we have a, a caller calling in, so let's take a We're going to go ahead and uh, take the caller. Caller, you're on the air. Yes, good morning, Scott. Good morning. Leonora. Good morning. Jonathan. Okay, hi. And, um, hi, you, you notice the, the, the people going, to, uh, uh, Biden and Harris are going out on the stump to promote this, uh, this uh, so-called stimulus bill. Um I don't remember Trump and Pence ever going out together. It was always Trump, and Pence was back doing things. Do, do you recall? Um, I think in the very early stages, they put Pence out. To, uh, Trump came out and said Pence is going to handle this or handle parts of this. Yeah. But I don't remember them going off together, to your point, to do many stumps yeah. speeches. Right. Uh, and I think the whole ideal here is to partly promote Harris. And, yeah, I agree. Uh, Agreed. Because I think uh, I think Obama's really Obama's running the show from his basement, and absolutely, he's, uh, and he's uh, they're going to push Harris and eventually get Biden out of there. That's right. And um, and that's also I think why these <laughs> these attacks on uh, Cuomo and Newsom uh, they're the they were the two front runners talked about as being presidential candidates. So get rid of them for uh, 2024. So Harris has a good chance of being elected as a as a Democrat uh, presidential candidate when she's served for two years or so as president. And um, and uh, and they have the if they don't if if the election law. <laughs> If you want to call the law, there's no laws being followed. Yeah. Um, if the if the election process is the same as it was, why the the, the Democrat uh, uh, candidate yeah. is a shoe in, and that would be Harris. So yeah, and you so could expand Obama that. Obama gets a fourth term. You could expand that. Now I know that I know that what you're saying is true about Obama and and uh, Harris, but uh, uh, Kamala Harris. But the uh, other part, the other wrinkle into this whole thing, and again, I think that the reason why you get rid of Gavin Newsom and and uh, Como is they were the kind of like the heir apparents. Uh, if you take Biden out, Kamala Harris just doesn't have the points. You know, she doesn't have the right. ability to get one uh, percent. So you just right. exactly. you know, but but that's exactly who it is that Ob- uh, Obama wanted. Uh, in power, and then you got the Nancy Pelosi thing. The only way Nancy Pelosi could ever benefit is if she were to allow the courts, you know, and green light an investigation on election fraud, to where b- both Biden and Harris together would be disqualified, uh, having uh, being proven to be cheaters. And if that were the case, then the third in line would be Speaker, and that would probably have to happen. Uh, before 2022, because I think that the Republicans are going to uh, take back the House, provided we get some inroads in on 
this election fraud that they're trying to pass through HR1. The House has already passed the election fraud bill in um and you know it's a pro election fraud bill uh and and it's, it really remains on what the Senate's going to do. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Yep. Okay. All right, thank Very you. Good. All right. Thanks for calling in. And, and we got uh we got Julie. Okay, so Julie, we've got a couple of regular callers here today and Julie, you're right. I I listened to you on uh Friday or whenever you called in and said, be bold, don't be afraid to have your regular callers call in. Even though we want to have new callers. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, good morning. Um, Leonor, you asked the question, when will this stop? It will stop when the states rise up and say no more. And the states that are going to end up doing that is Texas, New Mexico, and, and Arizona because they can't won't be able to handle the, the 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 amount of people coming over the border. And can I add to so, that? I read- uh, they are they are going to have to collectively gather together, and ultimately, uh, what you see is our our United States is going to have to separate itself, and and we can no longer rely on our U.S. government. They're all corrupt. Right. They're all sick. And they don't care about us. They right. only care about COVID. Yeah. They only care about shutting down the country. And the only way we're going to get out of this is is if uh, the people and the states rise up. And you that's know, just my opinion. I, um, I'm a small person. Uh, I uh, I agree with you on that. But then also, I read this article that said, and it was basically, to, for me, it was a reminder to remind my audience and our, our audience and... Uh, and what have you. And basically, it has to be that DeSantis and, you know, the Texas Governor Abbott, they can't do it alone. They need every other Republican governor to, you know, basically unite with them. Because we have power in numbers. We have power and strength. That's why over that's at MAGAPAC, we're putting together our petition that we're going to take to Washington. And that's why we're building a coalition uh, at buglecall.org uh, to really advance the American First agenda to make America great again. And that's at buglecall.org. But, you know, the main thing is that we have to unite in numbers, just like the Democrats have succeeded because it doesn't even matter what the issue is. Uh, it's 100% Democrats vote and support Nancy Pelosi's agenda or they get fired. You know, China just passed a a, uh, a legislate um, passed in their their Congress. Um, they had two thousand eight hundred and fifty representatives uh, to basically control the elections in Hong Kong. And guess what? They had two thousand eight hundred and fifty say yay to that, and zero said no. What kind of what kind of what is that? You know that is a crazy well. Uh, you know, think, but that's exactly what the Democrats say, are doing here. Say the opposite would would be ousted immediately. But we need to these people kill off their adversaries. We need to and, support. And that's the only way that they get people to agree is they kill everybody else off. But we can't live like this, and we aren't going to live like this. Americans have to fight, right? And it's going to come down to the states right. and working together. And, and you, with your MAGA pack, you can work as a network spoke 
to put all yeah. these lower states together to act as a team because we have to separate ourselves. We can no longer be together. Right. They made it so that they forced us to separate. Anyway, Mike Pence, he's to blame to all this because he put the CDC in power and he brought Fauci to us. And it's Mike Pence who is the, the one, the evil one. I agree 100% on that. I yeah. can't believe he did what he yeah. did. I cannot believe Mike yeah. Pence was turned out to be the biggest loser on the planet. And uh, I will tell right. you this, that, again, DeSantis... I'll let you go. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. I, I didn't mean to take so much of your time. No, no, no. It's, Please, it's fine. have a good day. Okay. All right. Uh, um, so DeSantis, for example, the idea is, is that when it comes to their uh, COVID measures, they're, they're, they're basically opening up their state 100%. And we've been to Florida twice since COVID. And, and you see that, you know, he has also um, basically kind of almost punished um, districts if they're taking two draconian measures with COVID. That's right. They, they are doing that. But if he's alone, then they can win, right? right? But if all of the red states, South Dakota, you know, uh, Nome, Kirsty Nome, Kirsty Nome, Kirsty Nome, Kirsty Nome. So, but every one of the red states uh, has to open up the state, and then it's going to be too much, too much, uh, too broad of a consensus. And then when those numbers come out, that actually you know showcase what a success it is that that there's been no spike in COVID. Uh, it's it's going to prove the case solidly that this this whole draconian crack shutdown measure wasn't uh helpful mm-hmm. and and then therefore when we have a new strain or COVID 21 to exploit another election uh then what's going to happen is we're at least not going to have to wear the mask and shut down and be stuck inside again and close our shops because we're, we're going to know from these open states that uh, that that wasn't the solution to the problem, and that's uh, how we learn, and that's how we'll benefit going forward. You know, we listened to Dr. Fauci talking about, you know, what have we learned for the next pandemic? They're already planning the next attack, and I say attack because this is a chemical weapons attack. This is a bio, bio uh, attack. This is a this is a twenty first century warfare attack. Okay, this is a psyops attack. But pandemics Call it what end. you want it. Pandemics end. And they this don't is an last. attack on our elections. Well, and they, do, they don't last for forever. This will end, and we have to be moving forward, practically with the um, you know vaccines and everything else. I actually wanted to share a little anecdote. Oh, right. We were talking mm-hmm. just before, we, we were, before, I think it was Jonathan called, we were talking about censorship. And I had an interest, and we keep talking mm-hmm. about counsel cancel culture in a negative way but i actually had a positive experience i contacted the post office to change um, an envelope design for a business reply for business reply mail and the woman who i spoke to while she was addressing my question i heard her say in the background oh you're reading to kill a mockingbird that's great and i said oh i responded she says oh my granddaughter is reading to kill a mockingbird i said you know i love that book it's it's such a great book i read it when i was 14 years old i said it's unfortunate a lot of schools are not teaching it anymore and she said i don't remember if i read it but she's 15 right now so i guess she's right on track and then we dealt with our business and whatever was and as i was saying goodbye 
I said to her, you know, there's also this great movie that came out in 1960, actually the same year as the book, that stars um, Gregory uh, Peck um, as Atticus Finch, and you should probably... Robert Duvall is in it. And Robert Duvall plays a small role in it, uh, Boo Radley. And I said, you, sh- you, you should, she should probably watch that. And she, you know, she said to me, she, she said, I'm going to watch it with her. And I'm thinking with all these stories, and To Kill a Mockingbird has come particularly under fire for two reasons. Uh, and I'll say this quickly because I know we're ending the show. There was a black character who was accused of uh, def- of raping a white woman. Turned out he didn't do it. And the um, the character played by Gregory Peck defended him. But people have been If criti- anyone should be upset, it's it's white Southerners it was, that were actually really portrayed white, as la- lousy white, people. White, white trash white Southerners who yeah. are liars and willing to frame other people. Yeah. But the other reason why it came under fire was because a white attorney in this day and age, a white attorney it was defending him. Well, that was the way things were. And, and this was an attorney that got paid, you know, with chickens to defend people. So this was somebody who taught his kids – you know that you got to you got to take care of everybody in your community, and co- and they were colorblind. So I am very proud to hear this story of the woman I spoke to and her granddaughter, who are loudly and proudly reading uh, the, uh, *To Kill a Mockingbird*, and maybe based on their call with me, we'll also watch the movie. And Harper Lee was the writer of that. Harper Lee was the writer, right? And she was uh, good friends with uh, Truman, Truman Capote. Capote, and he called her Nell. That was his nickname yeah, for her, and they yeah, grew up in Alabama. Wow! Yeah, that's it. That, I, unbelievable the censorship and the, I mean, who, we we've heard this from the Stone Ages where they would burn books. They would have book burnings and things like this. Um, it's it's so radical what's going on right now, and it's all done by the left. And I have so many liberal friends too, and it just doesn't make any sense because I know them as decent people, and yet. They support a party that burns books, tears statues down. You have a conversation with them, and they'll tell you, you know, hey, yeah, tearing the statues down is not the right way to do it. Well, you're supporting the party that actually does it. That's what I don't get. Do you you know? Do you like uh, book burning? And they'll every Democrat I ever knew will say, no, I don't. Well, it's like, isn't what you're doing with censorship of? of Dr. Seuss and and um, you know, baby, it's cold outside, or all these other the things. things. Yeah, you know, isn't that censorship? Isn't that the equivalent of book burning? Of course it and is. And when you couch it like that, they're like, yeah, but it's different. No, it's not different. No, it's not it's different. the same. You know, but uh, we are living in two two worlds right now in our country. Um, but that brings us to the end of our show. My name's Scott Adams. My name's Leonor Corvetta. And you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out our podcast at scottadamsshow.com. We're going to be doing a site update on that. And um, also, Red State Talk Radio is going to get a, a facelift soon. Um, be sure to check out our uh, sponsors and partners, um, buglecall.org and Magapack. And be kind to them. All right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. The mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.